Welcome to Squishy Lean, where you can gain confidence to start improving immediately. I'm Amanda. And I'm Dominic. And we've created a safe space to set you up for success, no matter what industry you are in or where you are in the world. There are no hard corners here, no stupid questions, and no wrong answers. Hi team, today we're talking all about swim lane charts. Uh, This continues the series that we've been doing around process mapping, all different types of flow charts and linear process diagrams and looking at kind of the different facets and features and ways to use them, Uh, chatting with Dominic here and learning more. How are you doing today, Dominic? I'm doing well, thank you for asking. What about you? Good, good. How is your passion for swim lane charts? I really, really like swim lane charts. It doesn't mean that I've used them a lot, but um, I think that this is the first glimpse whenever I've used this in the past where I was able to see how complex a process really is, but yet whenever you put it onto a piece of paper, how simple it can actually look and how much Mm. um, discussion it can actually create. So I'm a big, big fan of swim lanes. I think it's the next step, which makes sense why it's our next episode. whenever you're done making linear process maps to make it 3D in a sense and add this other dimension to it. Just upping that complexity a little. So once you feel comfortable with that linear process map or flow chart diagram, you can go up to kind of what's the next level, maybe add some of this complexity to it. So Dominic, do you want to tell us a little bit more about what a swim lane diagram is? How is it different than the other uh, process flow diagrams we've talked about? Yeah. So Whenever we talk about a a process map, um, that was usually a horizontal or a linear, it could even be vertical, um, one-way type of process with a start and an end. And in between that, you had your blocks of the process steps with the diamonds for decisions. Whenever you have a swim lane, you add multiple layers of those horizontal or vertical lanes. And that's why they call it a swim lane, because it looks like all of the different lanes in a pool, for example. And you can add different stakeholders, departments, or functional bands all throughout the whole, um, like the left side or the top layer of that process map. And then that allows you to say when a certain area or person is doing a certain piece of the process and who they hand that off to. So you can kind of work through all of the different bands to show who owns that certain step in the process as you're going through that process. Hmm. So when you're looking at a regular flow diagram, you're looking at uh, generally like, I guess, one perspective of the process, right? Of like one, it goes from step one to step two to step three. But what you're saying is like with the swim lane diagram, as we kind of break it into those functions or the departments or the, the different roles that people have, we actually kind of add an additional layer here where we start to see these process steps from different maybe perspectives within the process. Yeah. It's like going from point of view to like third person where you can Mm. see more than you actually see in the process. And like we talked about in the last talk, in the last discussion, you want to have multiple stakeholders in the room. So now that's their chance to not give their opinion on what happens in the general process, they can say what happens for their specific part of the process. So now I hand the pizza off to you, Amanda, what toppings do you put on it? Then you can say from your realm, 
this is exactly what I do in this phase of the process. And it it's physically shown like that too. Um, so if somebody isn't driving right now when they're listening, they should pull up a, an image of a swim lane diagram or open up Visio. And whenever you hit new, it allows you to choose swim lane as an option. Yeah, a lot of the different software tools that we might use do have those templates available. And those swim lanes will come up where you already have those different functions kind of identified that you can fill in. And the word that comes up over and over again that I'm hearing from you that I think is is a red flag for me when I'm doing these events is handoff. That's a red flag. Yeah. That's, that's where the process flag. that's where the process gets interesting. That's where you can <laughs> where you can fumble it and that's where I think the gains can be made. But yeah, it's I guess I could see that being scary. Yeah, I mean, I think when when you do a rate or a, or a linear process map or a flow diagram, you don't see those handoffs as clearly. Maybe you talk about them or you acknowledge them, but mm -hmm. in that swim lane diagram, as you're describing this, you know, for me and I think a lot of our listeners, uh, you start to see that come up in your your mind, right? And we can add a link as well in the, the description if you want to take a look at an example of a swim lane mm -hmm. uh, chart or diagram. But as that kind of comes to mind, I see all of these lines going across those different functions, moving between up and back. And each of those handoffs, like you said, that's a chance to make a mistake. I always called it the black hole. So uh, back in the, the old days when there was a mail room, <laughs> I don't know if you remember having a mail room. Uh, and everything went into envelopes and we would put it into the mail room to go to another office location. And we called the mail room the black hole. Because and, that was the main handoff central point? Yeah, that was the handoff central point, right? And then it went to this courier, the courier took it to the other office, or it just disappeared into nowhere land. And so this black hole, to me, every time we think about a handoff, I just think of that black hole, is that, you know, it's just a huge opportunity to drop, to have that's things true. fumble. Yeah, and maybe that's the, the point of, well, what we talked about last time, you have to make this uh, process map one one block at a time. So you can start to battle those black holes one step at a time as well. Um, you're not just going to walk into a room and throw up an entire swim lane with all of these different handoffs. Um, but figuring those out, I think, really saves a lot of time. There have been Kaizen's that I've been on where the handoff in this example would have been moving products from one department to a kitting space or like to the to the warehouse so that it could be kitted to pull get pulled to the next department just like you talked about in the mailroom mm -hmm. and reducing that handoff or eliminating it and just taking it from department A to department B saved days worth of time in our system. Yeah. And that's such a huge difference when it comes to like delivering products to the customer or getting your mail in the other department. Um, I think that those handoffs are brought up in an effort to be simplified and understood a little bit better. And you have both parties from each side too, the person holding it and the person wanting to receive it. So I think that that's the only time that you'd be able to try to battle that um, is in a meeting like this when you're making a swim lane. Yeah, I agree. And I think that this is um, when we, one thing that we, I, we haven't really talked about is when you're making one of these maps, regardless of what type of process map, as the facilitator, you're leading a team usually through this activity. Mm -hmm. And you are going to need to lead that team to identify opportunities for improvement. 
Uh, some of those opportunities, maybe you want to have measures on. Mm -hmm. And I think we talk a lot in continuous improvement about value and non-value added steps. So looking through the different steps and seeing how many of those are value added, how many aren't value added, and maybe saying, you know, 20% of my steps are value added. I make an improvement now, 40% are value added. Mm -hmm. But in the same way, handoffs are something we can look at that we can see within the process that, hey, before we had 12 handoffs, and now after the process, we've had three. Yeah, and, that's a and really good metric, those, a KPI yeah. that you can, can have at the beginning to say, like, this is what we want to reduce. We want to reduce mm -hmm. handoffs by 50% as a goal, and you see if you can beat that. Because um, that's the whole essence of building that lean manufacturing cell mm -hmm. from the, the perspective that I'm thinking of. Um, mm. Some cells combine things that used to be in different departments all into six or seven tables or workstations. And that's reducing those handoffs as well. Um, going from batch to one piece flow is reducing handoffs as well. It's just a, it's a way to mm -hmm. visualize it like we said earlier, but have a, a structured effort to know that the right people were in the room and that you're making the right change in the right place um, where you're going to have the most impact. That visual map is a good starting point to see where can we get the most bang for our buck whenever we mm. reduce these handoffs. Yeah. And we can really see, you know, I'm really big about making things visual and simple for management to consume. Mm -hmm. And when you have a, a swim lane map that I mean, how often are we as facilitators playing with these lines of where they connect and trying to make them less messy and organize them because they all end up like a, a plate of spaghetti sometimes, right? Where you're going yeah. across these lines and, and then this one connects to that, but it also connects over here. And then sometimes we go that way, right? And, and just seeing that kind of mess of the beginning to seeing what we're talking about in the end, where you've reduced those handoffs, where you've simplified the process, mm -hmm. just that visual there is quite dramatically different. Even if you do it with post-its on the board yeah. versus Visio or you know Jira or whatever software you're using, mm -hmm. um, you can see those those really dramatic differences and share that across the organization. Yeah, the other thing that I think is nice about a swim lane is. I like to say like, I don't like to say this. I just know that you can add an element of time to the get to the chart as well. Ah, so yeah, yeah. If you want to say that certain processes are happening along the bottom or the top or the sides, depending on how you're orienting your, your swim lane, you can put an element of time. So like weeks, days, months, seconds, and get a very, very like good first pass at mm how long these items take so that you can see where a lot of that manufacturing process time or, or lead time before the customer gets the item um, lies so that you know where to focus on improving. And, and so when you think about like the times that you've used a swim lane or when you recommend people use a swim lane, where do you think it's most useful? I think it's most useful in mapping out processes that have to go through multiple systems or a brand new system. So in the mm. first example that I used in the Kaizen that I was in, we were going from production to like a different department, which was in the warehouse, and then back out to a whole different type of department. In the other example that I've used the swim lane in, we were mapping out the beginnings of, a, of an ERP system. So we had to understand how 
procurement was going to purchase parts and how we were going to even make a part number for that part to be purchased. So who had to make that part first in the system so that it could be attached to a certain um, supplier and then that could get purchased. And how did the, when the engineer made the part number, how did the um, supply chain team and the manufacturing engineer engineering team know that now we could assign that a location in the warehouse and some of those things need to happen before or other things so that Mm -hmm. it goes through the system the right way. That's where the swim lane actually helps. Those handoffs have to happen to make these systems that we work with every day happy. And only really understood whenever you, that's okay. It's only really understood whenever you physically draw it. Yeah. And um, I'm thinking here, you know, a lot of the examples that you've talked about uh, coming from more of a service perspective are very Mm -hmm. manufacturing heavy. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think it's interesting to kind of, for me to see that as well, because I don't think it's that different in, in the service industry. So if you're looking at a call center, if you're looking at maybe um, some kind of approval step or service that, that has to go through multiple people, like maybe you have some kind of decision that needs to be made for a client, uh, that can go through a lot of different departments or functions before it gets that level of approval and gets back out to the client. So, uh, you know, as we're thinking about this, really any process or especially processes that are cross-functional really benefit from this view as we're making a process map. If we're looking at at a cross-functional process, then a swim lane chart seems like definitely a thing to consider. Good word, cross-functional. And that should represent most of what we're working with anyway. So yeah, swim lanes might end up being a, a really useful tool in your overall lean toolkit and Six Sigma toolkit. Yeah, and we often do them on the board in the meeting, right? That's obviously optimal is for us to be in person working with post-its on a, on a whiteboard. I think that that's generally seen as optimal. But now that we're working in these hybrid environments, these virtual environments, that's not always what we have available. So I don't know with you if you've had the opportunity to use different types of software, if you have any go-tos that you usually use when you're building a swim lane chart. It's still Visio for me. That's just oh, because I don't. Always going back to Visio. Okay. I haven't heard of or haven't physically had the opportunity to use anything else. But I'm pretty sure that there's a way to do it on Excel because you can do anything on Excel. Mm-hmm. That feels like it'd be a little bit more clunky though than Visio because it's easy to move shapes. Maybe OneNote if you really had no. to use. I know that OneNote is a good combination of like PowerPoint and and Word. So I could see that kind of making sense if you had to share it. Um, do you, are you thinking of like, um, the tools that we use for the unconference? No, not necessarily. Yeah. I I mean, Miro and, and Mural, (laughs) which are, are so similar. Most similarly named things. Mural, Jira whiteboard, M365 whiteboard. All of those are good tools and have the template for you. Mm -hmm. So if you have any of those those tools run over to the templates. Usually there's a swim lane chart template. It's really easy to use. I would say it's equally easy to use as Visio. And I definitely agree with you that Visio is probably like the best way to go. If you have that option, mm-hmm. Excel to me is definitely, you can make it happen in Excel, but I hate inserting blocks or inserting images or, or what is the the term uh, inserting 
shapes yeah. into Excel. I also hate inserting shapes into Word. But I generally use PowerPoint almost like a whiteboard. So uh, PowerPoint's for me like my go-to tool. So if I had to have a tool that I had like no prep for, I would mm -hmm. jump straight into PowerPoint and start building it there. Yeah. Um, but it's totally really about, that. yeah, it's really about what you're comfortable with. Word and Excel to me are super clunky. So if it's your first time, I'd maybe avoid that. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, Visio, I think is... Um, ideal in all of those whiteboard tools that are out there now those virtual whiteboards have it so that makes it really easy for you yeah if i wanted to practice if this were the first time that i heard this and i wanted to practice it i'm trying to think of a, a process in my mind right now that would be a really easy thing for somebody to just test it out with to show where the handoffs happen to see if you could possibly eliminate the handoffs and it doesn't have to be something that happens at home but any any type of process, like if you're going through a fast food line, um, mm. how the, Chipotle. yeah, or you can go back <laughs> to the Chipotle, Chipotle example. Before. Yeah. Um, but I'm thinking of like the multiple windows, whenever you go to mm. certain fast food places where you pay at one window and they take something mm -hmm. and then you go to the next window and they pay those two windows could be different functional bands, one yeah. for paying, one for receiving the food. Um, I was thinking the grocery store. Okay. So you go to the grocery store and Maybe you go to the bakery mm -hmm. and you want to get some bread or cupcakes. So then you have to talk to that person. But that person maybe is different than the person that's doing the deli meats. Yes. So now you have to step away and you go to that other person to do the deli meat. And then you've got to go across the grocery store to the pharmacy or to the, the meat department and decide, you know, are you going to speak to the person at the meat? And each time you speak to these people, you usually have to wait. Yes. Right? And get and a ticket, you, wait in line. Yeah. And then at the end you go and you check out. So then they touch all of these items that you've already touched and to be able to check that out, unless you go to self-service, I suppose. But there are other items in the grocery store. This is good that you do get self-service that you don't have to go and wait for mm -hmm. somebody else to hand you. So yeah, that's actually a really, really good example. There are functional band wise. There are items that are like self-pick, and then where you have to go to different service counters to get those items and you have to give specific instruction whenever you're getting those. So mm -hmm. that is a really good way to make a good test swim lane diagram. Yeah. And for me, I've, I've just moved to New Zealand. So if you're traveling, this is a great thing to go try in whatever grocery store, whatever location you're in. But moving to New Zealand, now they're going from pounds to kilos or actually ounces. So or grams, I'm sorry. So I have to say I want 100 grams of roast beef. Well, they don't really have a lot of roast beef of champagne ham. <laughs> so I have to say, I want a hundred grams of champagne ham. And every time I'm like, I don't know how much a hundred grams is. So I'm watching, like, is that a sandwich? Is that two sandwiches? Yeah. So, so it is, you know, you can see some of those complexities added, especially if you're somebody maybe that isn't familiar with the process. Cause then you're mm -hmm. also like, am I doing it right? Is this the right person? Is this the way it works here? Are they going to put it in paper or plastic? Yeah. What's the operation? Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that that's a great challenge for people to go out and do is go out to your grocery store. If you're traveling, visit a foreign grocery store and see that adventure. Uh, and maybe think about all of those different handoffs that you have and what the, the benefit is. If you want to keep that handoff, why are you going to keep that versus uh, just going out and getting maybe the prepackaged items. So there might be some specific reasons why we accept 
the the cost of going after those handoffs. Yeah, very good. Thanks, Amanda. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dominic. This was lovely chatting with you about the swim lane charts. And uh, we look forward to seeing people going out, using these, trying them out, seeing what works for you. And as always, share with us uh, how things go. So Dominic, uh, how do we kind of wrap this up? We should all go out and find the fun of being within a process. And let's just see if we can make things a little bit better.